Oftentimes, a woman um, will be fine initially after an abortion, but later, either if she gets pregnant or if she can't get pregnant, she can have terrible remorse. Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, we have very special guests, Kathy, Dr. Kathy Altman. She's retired, board-certified OBGYN, and is currently an associate scholar with the Charlotte Lozier Institute. She is a member of the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, and the Christian Medical and Dental Associations, uh, the Florida Medical Association, and is a life fellow at the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. She practiced medicine from 1981 and through 2014 in Orange Park, Florida. So, Dr. Altman, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. You know, it's interesting. I, I saw your I saw several videos that you have done talking about your story having been a doctor that performed abortions. I mean, you had an abortion uh, on one of your pregnancies. And so you come with a really unique perspective. Uh, and then one who, you know, you had the epiphany and, and you, know, you know, the light kind of came on in terms of what was really happening. But can you kind of fill people in on your story a little bit, just, just so they can get a background of, you know, where you're coming from and kind of, you know, your life experience? Well, I came from the other side. <laughs> um, when I was in college, I became pregnant and didn't see any way out other than to have an abortion because I, was, I wanted to go to medical school and I thought if I were pregnant, I wouldn't be able to go. And so I had an abortion and I think that colored my thinking from then on. Um, once I got to, into residency program, I felt I wanted to help women. I, I truly believed that abortion was a woman's right and that they should be able to have an abortion for any reason. So not only did I learn how to do first trimester suction abortions, but I sought out one of the men who I, one of the physicians I knew who did late later term abortions, DNA uh, abortions or dismemberment abortions, and I asked him if if he would mentor me and teach me how to do those as well, and I did. I learned how to do that, and I felt really proud of the fact that I, I had that skill and I could help more women. I also started moonlighting at a, a clinic in Gainesville where I could do abortions too help more women. Uh, it's interesting. I was so careful about trying to make this actually painful procedure less painful for my patients, but I never thought about what the, the baby might be feeling at that point. I um, continued doing abortions even after I got pregnant, and I saw no, um, I saw no contradiction um, with me being pregnant and doing abortions because their babies were unwanted and mine was wanted. And that was the big difference for me. If I had a patient who wanted her baby and she was miscarrying, I would mourn with her and I'd be so upset. But if she didn't want her, her pregnancy, she didn't want her baby, then I felt perfectly fine killing that baby. The problem came after I delivered my baby 
I went back to the clinic, and that first time back, something must have already changed in me because I reacted differently. The first patient that I saw, um, I had done three abortions on her myself in the past, and I went to the the manager and I said, I don't want to do this abortion. You know, I've done three on her before. She's using abortion as contraception, and they told me, it doesn't matter. It's not up to you. Um, she has the right. You need to do it. So I did it, and afterwards she refused contraception. She wanted to use abortion as birth control. Second patient came in with a friend, and the friend asked her if she wanted to see the tissue, and sometimes they did, and she said, no, I just want to kill it. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what has this baby ever done for you? Right. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Um, I said, what has, I thought, what has this baby ever done to you? Mm-hmm. So then the third patient came in, and she had had, um, I can't remember now if it was three or four children, but they did, she and her husband decided they couldn't afford to have another child. She cried the entire time she was there. And after that, I could not do abortion. Suddenly, I had made that baby-fetus connection, and the fact that it was unwanted was not enough for me to kill it anymore. And right. so I, I could no longer do abortion. It wasn't until um, in my practice I began to see um, young women who had unplanned pregnancies but continued them and did really well as opposed to young women who had unplanned pregnancies and had abortions and were not doing well. And as I saw the complications from abortions, it began, it began to change my opinion about whether or not this was a good thing and just kind of slowly eroded some of the, um, some of the things that I believed. Um, I also was affected by seeing children in my church grow up whose mothers considered abortion and chose life. And looking at those precious children and thinking, oh, my goodness, they wouldn't have been here um, made a difference to me. But I didn't completely become pro-life until one day a Christian friend, well, this is interesting. I actually became a Christian um, after I finished my, my residency. I became a Christian, but I still believed in abortion. I still referred patients for abortion. Even though I didn't do them, I still referred Um, yeah, I mean, that would be hard. I mean, it's a very, it was a slow process, slower process, right? You knew that you shouldn't, uh, perform abortions, but you still thought people should have, or women should have the right to do them right at this stage. That's right. Yeah. And it wasn't until a Christian friend gave me an article that compared abortion to the Holocaust. And I realized this is politically incorrect, but this is my story. Yeah, my dad. Uh, my dad was in the uh, unit that liberated the first uh, the first concentration camp during World War II, and so I grew up with all those stories. 
and pictures. And I never could understand how German doctors could do what they did during the war until I realized, oh my gosh, you know, I've, I've killed more people than Ted Bundy. And I, I suddenly saw myself as a mass murderer and I thought, I understand how the Nazis could do what they did because I'm doing, I was doing it. And it all came down to whether or not you, um, um, feel a group is human or not. They didn't feel the Jews and the Russians and the others were human. And I didn't feel fetuses were human. So I didn't have any remorse at the time. Um, I didn't feel guilty at the time. It wasn't until then when I realized, um, what I had been doing. And that's when I became pro-life. Well, that must have given you a sick feeling in your stomach when that realization happened. Was there also a realization that that you had had an abortion too at that point and and kind of what had transpired and maybe what could have been had had you made different decision while in college? Oh, yes. That all all hit at once. Yeah, just talk about a tsunami. uh, yeah, and um, it, it took a lot of prayer and counseling for me to get over all of that. Um, and it, it's interesting, it was more painful to me. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. It was more pain. It was more painful to me that I killed my own child. Yeah. And I killed other people's children. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, in the end, you know, if you don't believe it's, you know, children are human in the womb, right? We can, it's amazing what the human mind can convince ourselves of, isn't it? I mean, it's, we see it all the time and we see, you know, a lot of people doing it, but eventually the truth does come out and, you know, we can't run from that truth. And, you know, I I think, you know, hearing about your story and the way you confronted the truth, right? And, and realized, Christ's mercy, um, because to be out, be able to go out and to speak about this and, and kind of give perspective from different angles, I think really helps enlighten people. Have you, have you seen that with the other talks that you've done? Yes. Yes. Because, because I come from the other side and I've done them, you know, I've seen them, I've had one. Um, it gives me a lot of credibility and, and people listen to me. Well, it's amazing how the the Lord can use things that we probably sh- definitely shouldn't have done, and if if we get ourselves right with Him, that we can use it for the good. It's amazing how that happens. You know, I, we hear we're, we're here in Colorado, and we're and uh, we got on the ballot Proposition One Fifteen to end late term abortion. You may or may not know that you know Colorado is the first state in the in the nation to. Uh, allow abortion up until the minute of birth, six years before Roe versus Wade. And, you know, we live in a blue state. The other side's spending $7 million to defeat this. Um, you know, but one of their arguments is, you know what, we have to allow late-term abortion. Is there ever a reason to have a late-term abortion? There really isn't, and it's not what the normal OBGYN would do. Um, if the mother's life isn't even, even when the mother's life is in danger, you wouldn't do a late term abortion. You would just, you do a C-section, 
um, or an induction and deliver the baby, and you would try to take care of the baby the best you can. Right. Even if the baby has fetal anomalies, you would deliver the baby and take care of it. You wouldn't. You wouldn't try to do a, a late-term abortion. It actually takes two to three days to be able to do a late-term abortion anyway. Which would be more so traumatic on the you, mother, right? Right. Right. Yeah. So why would you why would you do something like that unless your ultimate goal is the death of the child? If that's your reason, then that's why you would do it. But otherwise, not for the health of the mother, not for the life of the mother, you would just deliver the baby, which is what happens throughout the country all the time. You know, if there's a problem, you deliver the baby. Well, you know, it's interesting. So we have, you know, obviously late term abortion going on here up until the minute of birth. And there was an article put out, uh, it was an interview with Warren Hearn, who is the abortionist in, in Boulder, and his wife is quoted in this, who, who also was performing abortions in Spain. And here is her quote from this article. It says, when I was aborting in Spain, I finished the abortion of a young woman, first trimester. When I finished this procedure, she sat on the table and said, oh, doctor, you're really nice. You're such an angel. How do you kill babies? I said, I'm sorry, I don't kill babies. I aspirate gestational sacs. You kill your baby. Now, can you imagine ever having that conversation with a patient? No, but she should have said that before she did it. She should have told her that before she started the abortion. Yeah. Because basically that's the truth. The woman is the one who is choosing to kill her baby. The abortionist is the instrument. Now, obviously, as an abortionist, I would have never said that to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> but but it, 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 in a very um, harsh way, speaks truth. Yeah, and I mean, it, 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 it is. It's almost like a slap in the face because it's almost like either side could say, no, you actually killed my baby, right? No one, no one has to mm -hmm. definitely take blame for it. And that kind of you know, really puts it out there on the table and opens it up so you can look at it. So I just found that was a really interesting, and you know, uh, unnerving quote, but it was definitely a quote. You know, I've, I've heard you say on some of your other interviews, you know, and, and this is, you know, not like this isn't uh, obvious, but, you know, every abortion harms a woman and kills a child. How does it harm the woman? What are, what are the after effects of an abortion that are pretty common? Well, there, there actually are quite a, a, there's quite a long list of physical complications, including injury to her uterus, um, injury to her other organs, infection, uh, death even. Um, but the problem is that um, not all the states require that complications be reported. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And so the, the abortion industry is able to um, say, oh, there are almost no complications because they're not they're not recorded. When I was practicing, um, we had to take GYN call, and one of the um, things that we had to do was take care of the complications coming out of the local abortion clinics. Well, there was no mechanism for me to ever report that anywhere. It just wasn't. Um, set up. I sort of assumed that the hospital was reporting them, 
but I found out that that was not the case. Right. And this doesn't even include the psychological complications. Oftentimes, a woman um, will be fine initially after abortion, but later, either if she gets pregnant or if she can't get pregnant, she can have terrible remorse. And people don't talk about that. And um, they have this silent, hidden shame um, Increased risk of drug abuse, depression, like that. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, the people who tend to be the most rabid on, you know, defending abortion and doing this, you know, many of them, not all, but many have had abortions. You wonder if they're not only trying to mask the pain that they're feeling by, you know, just lashing out like that because they haven't addressed what they had done. I, I think I think that's true. Um, now, you know, you went, you know, you had an abortion in college. You were performing abortions. You know, finally, you know, the light went on. But you know, looking back, when you kind of went through that transformation, did you did you see how it was affecting you mentally, having had an abortion? Oh yeah, <laughs> that's why I needed the prayer and counseling. Right, and it it um. It took an awful lot for me to forgive myself. It actually, it actually took God telling me in my mind, you know, I've forgiven you. Why can't you forgive yourself? And that was when I finally began to be able to forgive myself. And for all of those people out there that have had abortions, you know, if God can forgive me, he can forgive anybody. And I think that's the the most wonderful thing is that, you know, we have these things that we do in our lives, and I, I think there's nothing that God cannot forgive, that Jesus cannot heal. Well, and it's just, I think that's a great point, because in the end, we have to embrace His forgiveness, because, you know, He is love and mercy. And and to think we can't forgive ourselves, that's that's the evil one messing with our minds to try to keep us in that state of depression or anger or wherever wherever we are. You know, one of the things that we're hearing here in Colorado is doctors coming out and saying that it is safer to have an abortion than to have a child. And actually in the very in the very early, you know, in the early stages of pregnancy, mm-hmm. the risk of abortion is less than the risk of going, you know, all the way to term. Right. However, that changes at about 20 weeks. The risk goes up exponentially from the first trimester on. Well, from the first weeks on, it goes up exponentially. And at the point at about five months or 20 weeks, the risk actually becomes um, greater to have um, an abortion as opposed to um, delivery. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think you know most people would know want to know that. So it's good to get a, a medical perspective. But you know, I, and and maybe going back to your you know your training in medical school, um, did it ever strike you or or any maybe any of your classmates that pregnancy or fertility was treated like a disease or something that needed to be adhered to as opposed to just a natural process of life? 
Well, this whole idea that abortion is healthcare, that's relatively um, new idea. Okay. Um, and and I, it, was, it was sort of shocking when I first heard it, but I absolutely don't think abortion is healthcare. You know, in healthcare, you're saving lives, you're improving lives. With abortion, you're killing life. And and one of the areas that really distresses me now is the whole idea of fetal anomalies and lethal fetal defects. And with all of the um, the advances in technology that we have now, we can find out things about babies early on that we could never uh, find out before. And more and more women are being told, your baby's um, got going to live, or if it lives, it's going to suffer, and you need to abort this pregnancy because this is, you know, there are these things that are going to be wrong with the baby. And and I don't understand exactly why, um, but they always want it to happen right away. I think mainly because doctors don't like to handle complications. And so if you've got a baby that has some problems, that's going to be a difficult pregnancy to follow. And so many are recommending that you just abort, just try again, you know, get rid of this one. You can, you can, you can have another one. And, um, and the sad thing is that often these are normal babies that are aborted, but even the babies that are, that are abnormal, even babies that aren't going to live. It's extremely traumatic for you to tell a woman who wants her pregnancy, you know, this has been a wanted baby from the beginning, that she should abort and and you, you cloak it in this rhetoric that this is the best thing for the baby. Um, you know, if you have this baby, you're going to be causing this baby to have pain and suffer. <clears throat> Well, what we've found is with um, there's something called prenatal hospice, and what they do is if you get a bad diagnosis, they will follow you through your pregnancy, help you um, understand what's going on, give you counseling so that if the worst happens and the baby dies after being born or only lives a short time, that you can handle it or that you can handle the fact that your baby may live and have some defects. And what they've found is that these women um, are much less stressed. They're much more well-adapted afterwards than women who are told, you have to abort because this baby, you know, is going to suffer. And um, and I, I saw that when I was testifying once. There was a woman next to me who was testifying because she had been told her daughter had um, a lethal defect, and so she had aborted. And she was so distressed, so angry. Um, it was palpable. And and I, I almost wanted, I, I did because I knew that she would not appreciate it, but I almost wanted to put my hand around my arm around yeah. her yeah. and comfort her and say, I, you know, I'm so sorry that, that you had to go through this. I wish you had had access to prenatal hospice because they could have helped you and you wouldn't be in, you know, this emotional turmoil. 
Well, you know, and I know I know women and I know babies that have been born yeah. that unfortunately, you know, the fetal abnormality was was fatal. But they they cherished the two hours they had with that child or, you know, the two days, you know, they didn't have to look in the mirror and think I killed my child. It's that I I was holding my child when they passed away. I mean, there's there's such a difference in in not the end result necessarily, but in the mental state of somebody who didn't cheat, treat their child as a commodity. Like, I'll just get another one. Right. It's like you, I'm going to go to Walmart and just pick one off the shelf and I'll like this one better. They don't have the guilt because they did everything they could for that baby, even if it's just nurturing that baby where it can survive yeah. in the womb. Yeah. You know, even if that's all they could give their baby, they did. And they, they don't have the guilt of being killed it. Well, think about, I mean, or just, him well, or her. I hate yeah. To say, yeah. I hate to say it. Yeah, no, I knew what him you meant. Yeah, her. it is a him or her because it's a mom and her baby. It's not a woman and her fetus. Uh, but you know, one of the things you mentioned was, and we'll kind of use this to kind of wrap it up that, you know, the compassionate thing would be to save the child pain and discomfort. If we're talking late term abortion, those babies feel the pain, right? I mean, at that stage of, of their life, they feel pain. So ripping a baby apart is not a compassionate option. No. And, and that's true. And they, you know, they, they do they do sense some pain even you know much much earlier right right um you know when they're doing when they're doing dismemberment dismemberment abortions those babies um have brain waves uh those babies um have have nerves and connections <clears throat> to the um you know to their brains so that we don't know the full extent of what they can feel um but the general feeling is that at 20 weeks, they definitely can feel pain. It's significant. And it was interesting that the very doctor who kept saying, no, they don't feel pain, um, he and another doctor who was on the other side was, was saying, yes, they do feel pain. They wrote a paper together <laughs> saying, we need to reassess this whole issue because it does appear that these babies feel pain. Well, I'll and tell you, that was amazing. Yeah, I mean, to have, well, I mean, you saw the transformation in yourself. So we know it can be done, right? People who don't agree with us aren't the enemy. Those are souls that need to be saved as well. Um, you know, I would highly recommend people go on YouTube. You have so many videos on there. So it's Dr. Kathy with an I, Altman, A U L T M A N. 